Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. Chris, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you did a great job holding down the fort on How that last Hawaii? episode. It was great. You know, as they say, aloha and mahalo. Oh. Those are two things I learned. It was great. Do you feel well rested for election day coverage? I think so. Uh, but uh, there's so much going on, uh, you know, from presidential visit happening right before the election to, you know, a flurry of advertisement that hits from PACs and the campaigns to, you know, just the the day in, day out stuff that happens with campaigns. It's it's so much always. So, yeah, um, a quick look behind yeah. the scenes. Chris came back from uh, probably a beautiful, relaxing vacation with his wife. And I go up to his desk in the newsroom and he's already being swarmed by so many people. The president's coming tomorrow. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? And so <laughs> back to work. It, it, it certainly was nice. But, you know, you know it when you come back into the office from just a little bit of time off that uh, people are going to be asking questions. People yeah. are going to be asking questions. You just take it in stride. So. <laughs> All right. Well, it is election day for us. It's not actually quite election day yet because we needed to record this episode before we're all slammed covering elections. But if you haven't yet voted, today is the day before the polls close at seven o'clock. I feel like I'm a broken record on this, but I can't help to self-promote. That's also very central to television news as you watch it every day. Uh, Make sure to turn into krqe.com throughout the evening for live election results. We will be, of course, live streaming coverage online as the results come in. I'll be hosting alongside Curtis Segarra, KRQE's own digital investigative data reporter. Curtis is, of course, also here with us today for the podcast, talking politics again. Curtis, hello. Hello, Chris. Good to be here. Thanks for having me in again. Yeah, so heading into today's discussion, just a couple weeks ago, we already interviewed KRQE political analyst, pollster, and UNM political science professor Gabe Sanchez about the big races tonight. So in many ways, right, this is somewhat of a national barometer election here in New Mexico. If you haven't already, go check out that preview episode for Election Day. For today, we wanted to not so much catch listeners up on the races, but more so talk about the dynamics of this 2022 midterm. Political experts are noticing two interesting trends this year. What's early voter turnout looking like so far? Have the latest attack ads made an impact on who people vote for? Good evening. Political candidates have been flooding the TV airwaves ahead of the November 8th election. And does the latest polling give us a better perspective of how things will actually shake out? Let's start with that. KRQE News 13 commissioned a poll that was conducted by Emerson College Polling. Economy, economy and economy. That is what usually drives every election. But this year, it is by far the number one topic for New Mexicans. Curtis is here to share some of those results, which he also wrote about on KRQE.com. First question, though, who did Emerson College polling reach with this poll and what's the margin of error? Yeah, the poll was designed to be representative of New Mexico's likely voter turnout. So they polled 1000 people here in New Mexico who are likely or very likely to vote in this election. But they did so in a way that was, you know, trying to match the percentage of Democrats and Republicans and independents throughout each district in the state. So it's really supposed to be representative of those in New Mexico likely to vote. 
you know, you asked about the margin of error. No poll is perfect. So you're going to see different polls with different results from different uh, newspapers and news outlets. But for our poll, there was a three percentage point uh, margin of error or wiggle room on the overall results. But still, the polling company did their best to try to account for things like the age of voters, gender, those sorts of things based on 2022 voter registration. So they really tried to kind of minimize that margin of error. But a poll is not perfect. Um, you got to wait for the real results to see how things shake out. And notably, this is also the second poll that KRQE has done with Emerson College polling this election cycle. And the second poll revealed some similarities we can kind of get into from the results from the first one. But I want to start with as well, one of the questions asked in relation to the president asked and answered in this poll. The question was, do you approve or disapprove of the job that Joe Biden is doing as president? Curtis, what were these responses? The latest poll, which was kind of done at the end of October, showed that, you know, about half of New Mexico voters disapprove of the job that Joe Biden is doing right now. And that's kind of interesting because if you think about back in 2020 during the presidential election, New Mexico leaned blue. Uh, he got 54% of New Mexico's vote. And now we're hearing that about half of New Mexico voters disapprove of the job that he's doing. Well, the poll did show that 48% of New Mexicans disapprove of the job President Biden is doing, 45% approve. Definitely things have shifted a little bit since 2020. I do want to say, though, that one of the interesting things about this question, and it maybe speaks to the president's recent visit to New Mexico, he is doing better approval wise in New Mexico than at a national rate. And you have seen, though, in this campaign, there's not been a lot of activity of Joe Biden on the campaign trail. Um, but New Mexico is one of the places that he actually came. Uh, we're recording this on the day that actually he is about to visit, but it's just something you have not seen in many other states throughout this election cycle. So you're listening to this on Election Day and President Biden was actually here in Albuquerque last week campaigning in part for Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. Get out the vote, 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 vote. And may God bless you all and may God protect our troops. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was something political analyst Gabe Sanchez told us ahead of the presidential visit that normally having the president on your home turf is a positive thing. But he added, quote, in this environment where Biden's approval ratings are low and dipping nationally, this is a dangerous proposition for Governor Lujan Grisham. But Gabe Sanchez also said that if Governor Lujan Grisham played her cards right, the visit could still help energize her base to turn out, saying Biden's approval rating among Hispanic and Latino voters is slightly higher. What nobody knows is, are Hispanics actually going to turn out in high rates like they did in 2018, or is that going to drop a bit? So Biden spoke at two events in Albuquerque. The first was education-focused. It was at CNM. Alongside speeches from a slew of Democrats, this first talk for the president was a invite-only private event. It was really, though, also a chance for Biden to specifically promote his administration's student debt loan forgiveness program. Our student loan program is designed to give just a little more breathing room, a little breathing room. Ahead of the president's speech, Biden administration put out numbers about the program, saying close to 26 million Americans have already given up information for the program and that 16 million applications have been approved. But of course, that money can't be doled out until the program makes its way through court challenges. Remember, the student debt loan forgiveness program 
It aims to give people up to $10,000 towards student debt. Folks with Pell Grants as well stand to get up to $20,000 in debt relief. But of course, the program is really unclear because of, again, those court challenges. I'm never going to apologize for helping working middle class families as they recover from the economic crisis created by a pandemic. While attacking Republicans for holding up that student debt loan forgiveness program, Biden also praised the governor and the New Mexico Opportunity Scholarship that started in 2020. Under Lujan Grisham's administration, it has expanded over the years to where at this point, this fall, students without a degree already, they're able to get the full cost of tuition covered at universities and colleges for both degrees and high need trade programs. She's something else, isn't she? Biden's second visit was a traditional rally. He expanded a little bit more on his praise for Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. She talks about being the shortest governor. She's the tallest governor I know. He's the tallest governor I know. He also had a lot more to say about Republican opponents at large. Democracy is on the ballot this year in America. It is. It, it genuinely is. It's literally on the ballot, folks. The makeup of the rally, a few hundred people inside and a crowd gathered outside. This rally was notably at a community center in Albuquerque's South Valley, which is now in Congressional District 2 territory after redistricting. Republican candidate Yvette Harrell, of course, is trying to hold on to that seat against her Democratic challenger, Gabe Vasquez, who's not at the rally. Just to be fair, Republicans also had a few things to say about Biden's visit, including CD2 incumbent candidate Harrell. Well, it's unfortunate that we have the person who is responsible for the highest inflation rates we've seen in 40 years, the price of gas, fuel. We still have baby food shortages. And gubernatorial candidate Mark Ronchetti. Because she sees this race slipping away, we have the momentum. So Biden's visit aside, let's get back to KRQE's recent poll. The Emerson College poll was done at the end of October. Another question posed to voters was, if the election for governor were held today, who would you vote for? What were those responses like, Curtis? Well, Lujan Grisham had the slight lead here with 49% of those, uh, you know, would-be votes to 46 for Ronchetti. But there was a 3% of voters who were undecided. And let's also think about that margin of error too, right? Mm -hmm. So that there's a three percentage point margin of error. So, you know, with that margin of error, with those undecided voters, those results were really close. I mean, things are more or less tied here. We see an indication that this race has certainly tightened up over the weeks. You can definitely tell that by seeing uh, a lot of the advertising that has uh, played out on television, on social media, um, we'll get to this a little bit later as well, but y'all have probably seen some of the memes as well related to this, which I think is an indication of, yeah, a tight race, though. Yeah, things things have tightened up. Um, like you said, we polled back in September and then again in October. The October poll shows that Ronchetti gained two points since September. Lujan Grisham gained one. So, you know, however you look at it, things are tightening up. So for undecided voters, pollsters also asked which candidate they were leaning toward Tell us about those responses. So those undecided voters seem to be split on who they would vote for in the governor's race, but Ronchetti did have a slight edge. So, you know, if those undecided voters end up going with Ronchetti, going with that uh, that lean, then he has a real chance to push things, you know, to a win or to something really close here. Yeah, I also wanted to touch on some of the issues driving voters to the polls in this midterm election. 
What was the number one issue voters said that they cared about in this poll? Before I reveal the answer, I just want to point out here that, you know, we asked about this in that earlier poll uh, several months ago. And interestingly, what voters are focused on as their kind of key issue hasn't really changed from September to October and probably now to Election Day. But the number one priority for the biggest percentage of voters is the economy. Uh, Things like jobs, inflation, taxes, you know, these things that are impacting everyone regardless of party. Um, So Republicans generally seem more focused on the economy than Democrats or independents. But Democrats are thinking about these issues. That's still a huge topic for Democrats, a big topic for independents as well. So the economy is number one here. There are other issues, too, like abortion access, health care, even things like threats to democracy that are key to some voters, particularly those issues are key to Democratic voters, perhaps not surprisingly. Um, those are topics that they are often campaigning about, often talking about. Republicans, on the other hand, generally seemed more economy focused, um, more focus on crime and immigration as well. Uh, topics you will see come up in political ads or, as Chris mentioned, on in memes, you know, just the general political discourse. So there is what you might expect, uh, kind of normal party splits here between some of these topics. But voters are focused on some of these key issues uh, that, you know, are, are really being played out in the ads, in discussions, in debates. So this poll, as we mentioned, sort of shows how much the governor's race has tightened up towards this final stretch. And as I mentioned as well, you can really see that reflected in the advertising. Curtis, I know you've written a little bit about just how much advertising money has actually been spent in this topic as well. I mean, the short answer is millions have been spent in advertising. A lot of that goes towards TV ads, you know, that that reaches kind of the biggest audience. That's the bread and butter for these campaigns. We've seen that in past campaigns. We're seeing it this year. There's just huge amounts of money being spent by both candidates for governor, uh, candidates in other races as well. You've seen the ads. I mean, everyone at home knows about these, but they're spending money on things like mailers too. Some of you might've gotten those at home, um, you know, that. They're trying to just reach as many people as they can. TV is the biggest way to do that. Your article that published uh, about three weeks ago at this point now, as listeners are hearing this, millions in TV ads spent in the governor's race. You had calculated 6.7 million, again, about three weeks ago in mid-October. So close to $7 million being spent in the governor's race. Uh, Likely more has been spent since then. Just a, a heck of a lot of money. And you probably heard some of the topics addressed in the attack ads from both campaigns for governor recently. Even released one of the gang members busted by the FBI, Michelle Lujan Grisham. No wonder criminals choose New Mexico. He modeled his whole campaign after another former TV personality. Mark Renchetti shouldn't be governor. These are ads, Curtis, you've become well aware of over the past few months. You're doing a series of fact checks on both the campaigns and specifically their campaign advertisements. No packs here. Tell me about the process, though. How many pieces have you done? What's the work been like doing these fact check pieces? Well, we've done a lot of pieces, Chris. Uh, We're trying to fact check pretty much every ad that's come out uh, after Labor Day, like you said, from the candidates themselves, not from political action committees. So there's there are ads out there that um, we haven't been able to get to. But, uh, you know, the work entails really looking at the claims they're making. Some of those might be pointing to specific numbers. 
um, specific events that happened and just looking through public records, trying to do the research to say, yes, this actually happened. Yes, these numbers are accurate or you know, maybe they're not quite accurate. Maybe it's being misrepresented. Here's the real number. Here's the real event that happened. Or here's why the ad is, you know, maybe slightly misleading or perhaps just um, not fully representative of the full picture. So if you read those articles, some of them do get pretty dense. You know, you might wonder how you can get a thousand word article out of a 30 second ad. It's because, you know, there's a lot of context that go behind some of these claims being made because they're, you know, they're, they're big claims in some cases, sometimes mudslinging, sometimes throwing facts back and forth. So there's a lot of work to be done to kind of sort that out, help readers get the context they need. So I encourage you to read as many of those as you can before you vote uh, to make, make that decision because, you know, it's hard to get the full story in a 30 second ad. By my count, 11 you've done so far. So a lot of them, we can link to all of them if folks sure. want in the uh, show notes here. A lot of context. Yeah. So appreciate that, Curtis. So on the subject of the ads themselves, Gabby, you recently went out and talked to people about, you know, whether or not they're making an impact, right? In the governor's race specifically. Yeah. Specifically, I wanted to ask people if there was a particular ad or an issue that they saw that stuck with them. And I also wanted to know whether those ads had made an impression on who they'd vote for ultimately. The majority of people that I talked to said that their mind was already actually made up on who they'd vote for. They said the ads didn't really sway their opinions one way or the other about the candidate that they supported. So for context on who I talked to, these are people I don't know personally. I just casually walked up to them at a local coffee shop here in downtown Albuquerque. We call these MOS or man on the street interviews. Um, did any particular issue like impact you or make it, you know, make you think a certain way, whether or not who you'd vote for? No, I'm kind of like set on who I'd vote for. So. Okay. You'd already I mean, made yeah, up your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. Would, yeah, no, I wouldn't. It would take a lot to kind of sway that, I think. Do you feel like any of the ads this season made an impression? Um, I don't think so. People did express that they didn't really like the attack ads. You don't know, you just don't know what to believe. You know, you don't know what to believe unless you go on and sit down and, and research everything. And I don't think a lot of people take the time to research it. I don't really care for them bashing each other. You know, we're supposed to be adults here. And, yeah, I'll be honest, it's hard, it's hard to trust a politician say what they want and they to get elected so you don't really you don't really know one woman even told me the attack ads made her feel sad do these ads make an impact on who you'll vote for they mostly just make me sad <laughs> um i i don't immature i don't yeah i don't ever i think most people know what they're gonna do and like just seeing the ads like makes them more into whatever they were already going to do. I think it's like really frustrating um, because like you actually want people to like represent you well and if all they're doing is like saying bad things about each other then like how how well does that actually re represent your views? So yeah, I can see like how it's repetitive and annoying now that we already voted, but I think it's useful for those that haven't just to remind them every day, like, hey, you need to vote if you haven't yet, mm -hmm. no matter who they're voting for. And a younger couple I talked to brought up the memes that we've discussed here on the podcast before. They said 
The memes on social media got them talking about politics in their friends groups. They thought they were funny and they also took part in sharing some of them. Mm. Do people care about political ads? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd say like memes and just people making jokes is probably more effective than any political ad. Okay, so you do feel like the memes made an impression. Memes made an impression. The ones by like people, yeah. Like no campaign can manufacture a meme that seems not manufactured. This is kind of a new way that people are talking about politics, vocalizing their feelings and stuff, and kind of making it a humor. What you know, kind of to cope, I think as well. But yeah, there's a lot Coping of memes. Mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I think it comes from those commercials. So broadly, people that I talked to, you know, ranged in age from like their 20s to 50s. But ultimately, people said, yeah, they're tired of seeing their ads. They understand why they're out there. One woman told me like they've been very repetitive, but she thought that that was like good to hear the same message over and over. It, but it did seem to sort of solidify for these people who they already planned to vote for. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it makes you wonder in the end who the ads are for. I guess it, maybe it's just to rally the base in part. Um, would love to to know a little bit more about how the approach is between behind, you know, what the message is they choose to say and don't say in these ads are, you know, because there's so many different things that one could address. There's so many different ways to look at this campaign. Um, you know, obviously, you've seen from the Democrats side, there's been a big focus on abortion rights and, and health care access in this election. And on the Republican side, there's been a big focus on crime. And then there's been a big focus as well uh, in some races nationally about tying Joe Biden and his economic policies to whoever that candidate is that might be running in the state there. So. Anyway, I guess I would love to know more about the process sometimes about how campaigns work out their ultimate decision on here's how we are going to advertise. Yeah. And I know there's obviously fewer independent voters than there are, you know, registered party voters, but I'm interested, you know, to hear, was there something or a message that these people heard that changed their mind? Because just my, you know, randomly approaching people in Albuquerque uh, for interviews, which is not a scientific poll by any means, but these folks told me, you know, our minds were made up on who we wanted to support. And to note as well, I think we're always ever present of the idea of where you go depends on what kind of answers you get. And yeah. so some of that works into the context. You could get far different answers at a Target than you would at a Walmart even. And, and it, it's endless, you know, in, in the sense of like the dynamics that exist at different places where you get MOS. So I think we're always cognizant of that, but ultimately the idea is just to talk to people, talk to voters. Yeah. People we don't really know who aren't in our friend circle, like, Hey, did you see something that made an impact on you? And what did you think about it? So, yeah, it, it was also interesting to hear from some of those young, younger folks saying that they liked sharing those political memes, which Curtis, I know you talked a lot more about or wrote a lot more about on krqe.com. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting topic, um, obviously has become more and more popular as social media, as memes have become more mainstream. We saw in this election cycle, a lot of memes, some of them kind of just lighthearted and funny, some of them pretty crude, potentially mean from both sides of the political aisle here. On some platforms, it did seem to be more attacking Republicans, but um, you know, kind of depend where you look just like, uh, like anything. 
But it's interesting that uh, there were so many of those memes uh, going around. I think it's pretty likely that they will only increase as years go on in in the next election cycle, um, whether that's a local election, national election, because you know they're they're so accessible to everyone. It's a it's a way to campaign to share your voice, to share your opinions about a candidate that doesn't cost millions like those TV ads we were talking about earlier. I mean, it's so accessible um, that you know anyone can participate, and uh, it's potentially very powerful. Well, thank you, Curtis, for adding context to a lot of the ads that we're seeing. You're welcome. Thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity. (laughs) Thanks again to our data reporter, Curtis Segarra. We also wanted to touch on some early voting numbers. Early voting in New Mexico wrapped up on Saturday. This midterm election, we've seen 436,919 people cast early voting ballots. That's compared to 2018 midterm numbers where we saw 442,000 early voters. So not quite the number that we saw in 2018, but pretty close. Yeah, and that is just about a 5,000 vote difference there. I think what's interesting to note about this is just last week, by the end of the last week, we saw that early votes for this midterm were around 352,000 ballots cast. I think that had a lot of people thinking, oh, there's no way we're going to meet up to the 2018 midterm early vote number. But as you just mentioned, those total numbers, um, basically across Thursday, Friday, Saturday, those last three days of early votes, more than 100,000 people came out and cast their ballots. So quite a surge of early votes cast in those last few days. Yeah, and another interesting trend that we saw emerge out of those early voting numbers was the Hispanic vote. Our political analyst here, Gabe Sanchez over at UNM, he pointed out that Hispanic voters are trending a little bit more towards the Republican vote. Um, He said that if the Hispanic vote in New Mexico goes from 4% to 5 or even 7% in this election, it could be a very close governor's race. So we'll have to keep an eye on election day turnout. Just to give you an idea of the total number of registered voters in New Mexico, there's 1.36 million registered voters in the state as of October 31st this year. So with the early vote numbers in, about 32% of New Mexico's registered voters have already cast a ballot. We appreciate you joining us here on this election day episode and hope you're loving this music. Interestingly enough, I have never gotten a comment about the music except for from Gabby. (laughs) She notices it. Uh, Yeah, Chris (laughs) is back obviously this week. So uh, get ready for more new music. He never likes to use the same music twice. So if you catch a time that we do that, please point it out. (laughs) Yeah. And and the best way, of course, to reach us, uh, you can catch me at email chris.mckee at karaqe.com. Also at Chris McKee TV on social media. You can also reach me at gabrielle.burkhard at krqe.com via email and gburknm on social media. Also, go out and vote. Today is election day. The polls open at 7 a.m. and close at 7 p.m. Stick with us on KRQE on air and at krqe.com where we will be live streaming those results as they come in. Thank you all for listening.